You're listening to the podcast Opioid Abuse on the South Shore, where I, Desmond O'Neill, sit down with different people and organizations working to address the growing opioid crisis. In this episode, you'll hear me speaking with Warren Nicoli and Dan Foley from the New Way Recovery Center in Quincy. We discuss what happens at a new way, the causes and effects of addiction, and the increasing lethality of opioid products. Hi, my name is Warren Nicoli. I'm the director here at the New Way Recovery Center. And the New Way Recovery Center is a peer participatory, um, all pathways recovery center. Can you tell me about the approach New Way takes to addiction and recovery? Well, I think the two different, I think the things that make us different is that, you know, we are peer participatory. So the peers, so we call the folks who come here at peers. So we don't call them clients, we don't call them patients, we call them peers. And what they do is they, you know, they decide what they want here. We make the, you know, we make suggestions, and but they, they have what we call a community meeting where they decide whether they want to have a certain group or do certain things here. So they have, you know, like it's 90, we'll say 99% of the, the say as to what goes on here. And then, um, you know, if, if it's something that sounds like it makes sense to have here and, the, and they vote on it, then we allow it to happen. The other part that's the all pathways, which is I think the most important piece to this is that years ago, Everything, a lot of people were very strongly into 12-step and AA and all of that. Well, you know, it, it has evolved. There's been many, many different pathways along the way. But we allow all, so all pathways happen in here. So we have, you know, we do have AA, we do have 12 steps, but we also have smart recovery. We have, um, you know, a, a new one called refuge recovery, which is coming in. We, we do a couple different groups where uh, they use the Buddha path and stuff like that. So it, depending on what you're you know, what you're into or sort of what helps you to get through, it happens in here. One of the bigger ones that we see here is uh, medically assisted treatment. So a lot of times folks are, you know, they, they're using Suboxone or Vivitrol or even Methadone. And, you know, they can come in here and we don't, there's no judgment as long as they're, you know, it's controlled well for them. So I think those are the important pieces to this. And so being the peer participatory, but also being the all pathways. You know, there's 10 of these in the state of Massachusetts recovery centers. And yeah, they're, they're all fabulous because they all do exactly what it is. You know, they all help people. It's a different way of looking at recovery. Like for myself, I have 28 years of recovery. And everybody that works here is also in recovery. All the staff that works here is recovery one shape, you know, for another. And so 28 years ago, this wasn't here. Like we didn't have some place to go to sort of, you know, see meetings and be in a place that's safe. You know, if you were trying to get yourself together, you had to like, you know, do it, like going into like a meeting and stuff like that. So it seems like the goal is to create a safe place for people to come and recover. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, this makes it, you know, it's a safe, you come here and it's, it's a very safe place. I mean, the staff that works here is amazing, you know, and, and they, they understand you know, one of the things that we have here is we have, one of the groups that we have is called Learn to Cope, which is a support group for parents. So parents who are struggling with their children who are out there using. So that's also a very large piece to this too. So, so we run the gamut of all that. I always say sometimes the best way to look at this is we do everything from 12-step to ping pong. <laughs> because, you know, some people will call it a rec center. It is not a rec center. It's obviously a recovery center. But it's important that, you know, you can come in here and, you know, be safe. And if, you know, and you can play ping pong if there's not a meeting going on. Or you can play, we have a library, we have a music room. We have many different ways, you know, you can sort of look at your recovery. Yeah. We have, um, like, so we have the meetings. We have, uh, we have yoga. We have uh, a gardening club, um, which uh, this time of year we don't have it because it's now December. But we have a garden up at the, in the parking lot where we grew a lot of vegetables. And we had a bunch of flowers out front. We had a huge uh, sunflower garden, which really draws a lot of people in. So we, all, you know, all of those different things. So, you know, we have that and um, 
we, we offer some cooking classes to sort of help folks with that. There's a big group here, it's called Creative Minds, where they do all kinds of different things. They, um, from painting rocks to making centerpieces for parties that we have here, you know, they, they learn different things. They, they were also part of that whole gardening thing. But again, it's sort of the yoga piece to that, and then meditation is really impor important to that. And, you know, so all of those different things. What is a recovery coach? Our recovery coaches, ours is the heart team. So what they do is they go into the recovery, they go into three hospitals on the South Shore. They go into South Shore Hospital, Quincy, and Kearney. And what they do is we're 24-7. So when somebody reports to an emergency room, is, is taken in for an emergency room by an overdose or an alcohol, our recovery coaches are called. So there's two. One covers Quincy, Kearney. One covers South Shore. So they get called. They have one hour to report to the emergency room. And they sit down with that person and they, they talk to them. And what makes it special, what I think makes it very special, is that they, they've been there. They've been in that bed. And that's what they can say to the person. Listen, I've been there. Because a lot of times the nurses and the doctors, I mean, they do a great job. And, you know, they, they do an amazing job. But a lot of times they've not been there. So they don't sort of understand that. So when the coach comes in, the coach can say, hey, you know, I've been in that bed with you, you know, and, and so I, I understand. And they're able to work with them on that. And what they do is they, you know, they say to them, you know, what is it you want? Where, where are we going with this? What, where can we help you? You know, it's not a detox service, but they say if they're looking to go to a detox, they'll help them. One of the things we recommend is really big is that we say, you know, come to the recovery center, you know, because not detox is in for everybody. That's not how you're going to, this is going to work for you. You know, come to the recovery center, come here, work here, work, you know, do whatever it is you need to do here. So those are sort of all the important pieces to all of that. But again, a recovery coach, you know, they go out again, it's eight o'clock in the morning or it's three o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter that, you know, we're out there on all those three hospitals. And um, it's just, you know, to sort of see you got this person at this point where they're just, you know, they've overdosed. They don't even know a lot of times they don't, you know, you know, when someone overdoses, you get a pretty close to death. So, you know, and when you come back from that, it's like it's nice to have that person there. Does everybody accept it? No, but. You know, the, their success rate is amazing, what, the, what they get out of that. And again, I think the piece to it that's so important is that they understand where you are. Can you speak to the success rate of that program? Well, I think the success rate goes, I mean, I can't give numbers to that. I mean, I, you know, I mean, we see hundreds of people monthly. But I think the success rate is, you know, being able to see the person, they follow up with the recovery coach. So the recovery coaches do what we call a follow-up calls, and they reach out to them. And a lot of times, too, the recovery, they're also called recoveries. So the folks that we see in the hospital, we, we call them recoveries. So the recoveries uh, will sometimes reach back out to the coaches. The coaches try to get, you know, their cell phone number. The coaches all have cell phone numbers, and they give that number out to each recovery. And so they're able to sort of have that communication with them. And, you know, they can talk to them. You know, you'll see some that will say, oh, I, you know, I just talked to, you know, John Smith. You know, I, I saw him last night or I saw him 48 hours ago or 72 hours ago. That conversation. But sometimes you'll hear a coach say, hey, you know, so-and-so just reached out to me and I saw them like six months ago. They had a couple slips, but they're doing really well now. And they're reaching out and saying, you know, thank you. This is where I'm at. You know, how's that recovery center? You know, can I still come there? So it's, you know, it, it, that's available for them. They'll, even, they'll meet them wherever they need to meet them at. You know, I've heard some co coaches say, you know, they'll meet them at a Starbucks. They'll meet them at a Dunkin' Donuts. You know, they'll meet them someplace. That they're comfortable because, again, we want them to be comfortable. You may not be safe walking into here yet because you don't know what this is. So, yeah. It seems like the program is designed to give people realistic role models that they can actually relate with. Exactly, exactly. And, the co and I'll tell you, the coaches that we have, as I said about the staff here at the Recovery Center, they're just an amazing group of people to, to just listen to their stories when we, I mean, we, you know, I meet with them every Thursday. And just to listen to their stories and, and the, the empathy that they have is just, you know, and again, they've all, they're all in recovery as well, so they get it, you know, and I, and I think that's the biggest piece to all of this. 
And as you know, I think one of the reasons why you're doing this is because we're losing so many people due to this epidemic that something different has to be done. And I think this is the difference. You know, there's many of these going on in the state of Massachusetts, but ours is, you know, I think by far the best. But of course, you know, I'm going to say that. You know, yeah. So you said there's five other new wave recovery centers. No, there's five other. Uh, Recovery coach programs. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, cool. yeah, recovery coach programs. Okay. North Shore, South Shore, uh, like Brockton. I know Brockton has their own and stuff like that. So, yeah. What impacts does addiction have on the life of an addicted person? I mean, today, it's, I think it's, you know, it's, you hear a lot about fentanyl and you hear all about that. It's just, it's too hard. It's hard to survive it sometimes because, you know, you get a lot of sometimes one of the, one of the things they say, and I, you know, is it, You'll get somebody who'll just come out of jail, or you'll see a, a new mom who was using, became pregnant, stopped using during the pregnancy, but they go back out. And what happens is the the drug is so strong now that they end it ends up they end up dying from that. And um, and that's the issue that we're seeing so much is that the death rate today is just it's astronomical. It it's it's really scary the amount of people that we're losing. Like somebody said earlier, you know, one of the things is we're losing an entire generation. And I think it has to do with the fact that, you know, the drug is cut very differently than it has ever been cut before. And a lot of times, too, I don't even believe that people are really even shooting heroin anymore. I think they're just shooting, you know, straight fentanyl. Do I have anything to back that up with? I don't. But, I mean, just the stories that we hear and, you know, how people come in here and tell us. You know, I call them the war stories. But, you know, when they, when they talk about it, it's like, you know, that, that's what we're seeing is that, um, you know. And I hate saying it like this and do it this way you want, but like the heroin from 28 years ago when I used is very different than what you're seeing today. Like, you know, people just are not surviving. You know, they're going, you know, first time users are dying, you know, the first time they ever did it. You lose your family, you lose, you know, you lose everything. You know, you, you end up, you know, living on the streets, you end up, you know, you, a lot of people talk about methadone mile down at, you know, down by Boston City Hospital. You know, you see that every day and, you know, you see it here in the city of Quincy, right, you know, where we are currently. And... It's you, it, everything, you know, you lose your self-respect, you lose your dignity, you know, you lose everything. You know, drugs, drugs will eventually take it all from you. They, you know, it'll start from, you know, taking your family to your friends, to your wife, to your children, to eventually it'll just take your dignity. Um, I mean, it's, you know, you will do whatever you need to do to continue getting high unless you're really willing and able to stop, you know. And to stop, it, it, I'll tell you firsthand, it's not easy. You got to want it. You got to, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, when I work with somebody, I always have to say to myself, who wants this more, me or you? Because if it's me, then, you know, let, let's, how can we make it you? So that's one of the things that we really have to do with that. So, um, but you do, you, you, you will literally, at one point in your life, you will lose everything. And again, that saying is, and I tell everyone that works here, when they're, you know, they'll come into my office and say, you know, I'm really struggling with, so, you know, and I'll say, ask yourself this following question. Who wants this more, me or you? You'll hear me say that many times in here a week. I just have to say it in my head a lot of times, too, like, who wants this? Yeah. You know, it, and it works for me because, you know, I can't want this anymore. I can't want, want this harder than you want this. Right. So, you know, because you'll have somebody who will lo literally will have lost everything. Their children, their family, their husbands, their wives, whatever. And they're still like, the drug is more powerful than that. They're sad and they're hurt and it's unfortunate that it's happening and they're aware of that. Do they, you know, but the drug is way more powerful than that. Do you see stigma playing a role in all of this? We do see that and, and when I, my answer to that always with folks is look in your family or look in your, look in your group of friends. I can guarantee you there's somebody in there that is, is struggling you know, it may be very small and maybe very, you know, at the very beginning, but the, the, you, there is somebody in there. And, you know, you, 
again, it's not in my own backyard type of thing, but it's in your backyard. So, you know, you just have to, um, you know, and people get, you know, I know, I, you know, you hear it all the time. You know, why, why do we keep spending all this money to continue to do this? Because it could be your son or your daughter or your grandchild or your whatever, your parent. You know, it could be anybody, you know, you know it, there's no right or wrong answer to it. And yes, I mean, it is difficult and I understand, you know, and I, and I understand them too, to a certain degree. But again, you know, you don't know how this is going to hit you. You don't. How have you seen the opioid problem change over the last five or ten years? I just think it's, you know, I just think the death rate is just, you know, the amount of people who are dying from using. I mean, people are always, have always died from using, you know, drugs. Whether it's alcohol, you know, whatever it is. You know, people have, all, you know, have, have always, but now it just seems, I mean, it's, a, it's the, the, the numbers that you hear are just, you know, they continue. You know, as I said earlier, and I don't keep this or not, but like, you know, I came from the world, I worked with in the world of HIV for many, many years, and I worked at the when we were losing people a lot. This is what this reminds me of. Um, you know, that, you know, this is what it reminds me is that the people are dying that quickly and that you're hearing about it constantly. You know, we'll hear about it here in the center and, um, you know, you'll hear, you know, so-and-so passed away and, you know, I, I hate to say it, but sometimes you're like, oh, okay, you know, we, yeah, what are you going to do about that, you know? Our coaches see it when our coaches are in the emergency room. You know, you'll, they'll come back and they'll, you know, have seen, you know, you know, I went to go, I went, I was called to the hospital, but by the time I got there, the person had passed away. What changes have you seen since the introduction of Narcan? Well, it's like, yeah, the city of Quincy, where we're located is, I mean, city of Quincy, like one of the first with the, I mean, Narcan is like, it, it's a great thing, you know, thank God for it. And, you know, we have it here and, you know, we're able to distribute it and our coaches distribute it, you know, where needed. But um, yeah, and Narcan has been a huge lifesaver. Um, it has saved many a person's life, you know, and the city of Quincy was one of the first, and, you know, they've been great with it and um, stuff. But, yeah, we keep it. It's in every office in this building. You will see it. What are some of the biggest challenges in working to address the opioid crisis? It's a tough question to answer. I, don't, I mean, a challenge would be, you know, just, you know, getting the people here. You know, like, how do you, how do you get the person to come here and to know what, you know, what they need or... <clears throat> and be able to do the work that we, that we want to be able to do with them. It's, you know, that, that's a challenge to, like, you know, we run many different groups and we do different things and we try to change it up. And one of the things we're talking about now is sort of changing it up for the new year. And, you know, what can you do to get people in here? So, like, like I said earlier, I talked about, like, refuge recovery. It seems to be the new hot item, you know, in, in, the, in the world of recovery. So we're bringing that in here. So, you know, you kind of do stuff like that. And, of course, one of the big things that I have always said is money. You know, I mean, Massachusetts is amazing. Massachusetts is in the lead for all of this. And, you know, the, the money's out there and, and we do well. But, you know, in my world, you know, there's never enough money. You know, give us more money, we'll, we'll figure out something to do with it. You know, but again, we're very lucky in this state because, you know, the governor is, you know, he's amazing. You know, he's backing this up 100%. And, you know, he's even come out here and visited us, and you know, which was a really great thing. And, you know, it makes you feel like, you know, you're doing the right thing. And it's good to know that you have that support. But I think just... Trying to get people in here, and how do you do that? You know, we, we work on it on a daily basis. Again, the staff that's here, you know, what are we going to do that's different? And I think one of, one of the things that I know I'm very interested in is working with folks who have been in recovery for a while or also folks who are older coming new into recovery. Like, is there a place for them to go? And that's one of the things I'm trying to work on for here. What can someone who is struggling with addiction do to seek help? Just reach out to somebody, you know, I mean, they say you can go to, you know, local police stations, um, you can do that, you know, talk to somebody that you that cares about you, you know, tell people you need help. Go to your local, you know, if you're you know, just, you know, come here, 
you know, just, you got to reach out to somebody. Don't do the, you know, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do this alone. You know, reach out to somebody, you know, a friend, a family member. Um, you know, get, you got to get yourself safe. You know, you got to get yourself safe. So what information do people need to know about opioids and substance abuse? It's everywhere. You know, it's, it's somewhere in your family. It's, it's probably there. So just don't judge it. You know, don't judge it. Try to help it. I am Dan Foley. I'm a recovering everything addict. Um, I found a New Way Recovery Center I don't know, over a couple, over two years ago. Um, I started coming to a Smart Recovery meeting here on Thursdays and learned what the community was about here. And um, they really couldn't get rid of me after that. In all honesty, I started volunteering five days a week, and um, that led me into my position with the Heart Program. So. What does HEART stand for? HEART is an acronym. It stands for Hospital Emergency Action Recovery Coach Team. Um, so we are recovery coaches. We are a 24-hour on-call service. We are on call 365 days a year. Um, there's no holidays, no snow days. If somebody presents at Kearney Hospital, Quincy Medical Center, or South Shore Hospital for any reason and there's a substance use component to their visit um, we get called in to talk to them and um, just try to help them figure out their path in recovery whatever it may be every coach um, is in recovery themselves it's what everybody's path is is sometimes greatly different sometimes we have similar paths but everybody has a path in recovery <laughs> that's really cool can you describe your role at New Way? My role here at New Way is simple. I come here um, for my recovery. And in my role with the HEART program, I try to introduce people that I've met in the emergency rooms to the community here because the recovery center here embraces all pathways to recovery and it's a wonderful spot to explore different pathways in recovery. You can come here on a Thursday and experience completely different paths than you experienced on Wednesday. Um, so if you're not sure what's working out for you in recovery or what's going to work best for you in recovery, this is a great place to get your feet wet with different options in recovery. One of the unique things about a new way is their All Pathways program. Can you tell me more about that? Absolutely. I tell people all the time, here, look at our monthly calendar. There's something on here for everyone, and if not, that's on you. Because let's talk about it. What should be on there? That's how all those activities and groups got on the calendar. It's not like somebody sat in an office and said, we need to have this, 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 and this. Somebody in the community felt the need, and so the community comes together and figures out how to fill that need. So it is a really peer-led uh, model here, and that's you know, the basis for our, the heart program. It's peer-to-peer. -peer. You know, I am not better than anybody that I meet in the hospital. We see eye-to-eye. -eye. Um, it's their recovery, not mine. So I never go in and tell them what they need to do. Talk to them, get to know them a little, make a connection with them, and then figure out with them what their needs are. And by the end of the time I'm meeting with them, they actually have come up with their own plan that they're at the, they're at the complete control of. And so 
empowering somebody instead of making somebody feel like they're powerless by saying you need to do this is where I see a big shift in people um, and that's what the recovery center does too you know it's peer led so you come in here off the street and you have just as much say as anybody that's been here for two years or um, everybody's just as important as the next so yeah. you know yep. and yeah, so yeah. to have everything kind of encompassed in one spot makes it a safer place to try things out because okay I go to see the big book meeting on Wednesday night I can then sit down and talk with somebody here like I don't know if I like that and talk it out with somebody in a safe spot and somebody who's like-minded the end game is the same we all want to better ourselves and so yeah, being able to explore those options, I know for me personally in my recovery was a game changer. I thought there was only one way to go about recovery and that was the way that the state of Massachusetts told me I had to go about recovery um, and that path did not prove to be fruitful for me in my recovery. So learning that there was options for recovery changed the game for me. And What was your life like before you came to a new way and how has it changed since? Before I came here, um, or before the recovery center entered my life, however you want to look at it, I have been a lifelong drug user, alcohol user, um, literally since childhood. Um, never had sober time put together consciously. There might have been a few days here and there because I hadn't made it into general population yet or whatever the case. Um, I never wanted recovery, but the last well, 10, 15 years, I was just running hard using opiates and heroin, um, heroin more the last 10 years. And I knew I, I didn't like the person that I was becoming and the things I had to do to maintain my habit. Um, I knew I needed to make a change but I didn't know how to do it. You had mentioned coping mechanisms. I, I wasn't equipped to cope with anything in life, and I do strongly believe that drug use or substance use in general is a maladapted coping mechanism for which we face negative consequences. I didn't get into recovery because I didn't like the feeling that drugs and alcohol give me. They feel great. I got into recovery because the negative consequences outweighed the good feelings. And I think that's one thing most people in recovery have in common. Um, so I found the, the recovery center by coming to a smart recovery meeting that I found on a meeting list. Um, the way in which I was introduced into smart recovery was I was placed in a locked psychiatric facility after a relapse, I went to detox, got out, and pretty much overdosed. Um, my urine came back clean because um, at the time in which this happened, the hospital I was brought to did not test for fentanyl. <clears throat> so they couldn't section 35 me based on the clean urinalysis. So they section 12 me, um, saying that I was suicidal and that the overdose was deliberate. Um, and a patient in that psychiatric facility, you know, I got talking with them and I uh, had mentioned how the state had tried to force me to get sober in the past and that never took. And he said, well, then try something else. Go to Smart Recovery. Try I'd never heard of any other options. So he explained to me what it was and 
uh, I'll never forget looking down at shower shoes inside a locked facility at the age of 37 and saying to myself, like, Dan, your way clearly isn't working. You need to do something else. You know, you've been looking at shower shoes since you were 17. Like, shit or get off the pot, basically. Um, so when I got out of the Westwood Lodge, I did. I went right to the Faulkner Hospital. I enrolled in their IOP program, but I also went to their smart recovery meeting that is there on Tuesday nights and realized like there are other options that might benefit me more than the um, standard 12-step model which I am not knocking the 12-step model. It saves millions of lives every year. However, it is not the solution. There is no the solution. I have a really good idea of what's working for me today, but that doesn't mean it's gonna work for everybody, and that's why it's important to have places like this where you can explore all the different pathways. Um, so when I found this place off the Smart Recovery meeting list and learned what it was all about, I spent as much time here as I possibly could so I could learn as much as I can about the different pathways and, you know, I'm kind of a recovery mutt. I just take what's for me from every path that I can and I leave, I'm not greedy, I leave the rest for someone else who might need that piece more. Um, and that's what's working for me, taking care of my mental health and just treating my recovery like my drug addiction. I never said no to a single drug, so why would I say no to something in recovery? I'm gonna at least try it, just like I did try every drug I could get my hands on, so. <laughs> what is SMART recovery? SMART, um, in the recovery world, you'll learn they love acronyms. SMART is another acronym. It's Self-Management and Recovery Training. Um, it is based on the latest science of uh, what they refer to as the addictive mind, but it is in fact for any maladapted behavior for which you face negative consequences in that it also pertains to eating disorders, cutting oneself, anything that um, interferes with the dopamine reward system of the brain but it utilizes um, tools based on cognitive behavioral therapy and rational emotive behavioral therapy. Um, it's a more scientific approach than spiritualistic approach. However, it does not contradict anything in the 12 steps. A lot of people actually do both. Um, it's just adding more tools for your toolbox. Um, so it is a mutual support meeting. It's more of an open discussion meeting where a lot of times Smart Recovery has its own tools to help you learn how to cope with things. Um, and the facilitator might, you know, listen to somebody and what they're dealing with and say, oh, well, a cost-benefit analysis would really help you to work through this. Why don't we do that as a group if you're comfortable? Um, so there is a trained facilitator facilitating the group, but the group kind of dictates how the meeting goes. Can you tell me more about cognitive behavioral therapy? Um, the basic, basic thing that really sticks out to me with cognitive behavioral therapy is what I think affects the way I feel affects the way I act. So if I were to sit here and tell you that I am an addict, I'm more likely to be an addict. However, if I tell you that I'm recovering, I'm more likely to be recovering. Um, the mind is a, a fascinating thing. It's so powerful. Um, any addict that's tried, any uh, opiate addict that's tried to do a self-detox can tell you it's not a pleasant experience. 
you end up spending a lot of time on the toilet. And I personally can remember being on day two of a self-kick, sitting on that toilet, thinking to myself, why am I doing this? I have money. I'm just going to call the dude. Um, and picking up the phone and calling him, setting up the place to meet. So now I get in my truck. I drive down to, I was, you know, running in Roxbury. I drive down to Roxbury. He's going to be there in five minutes. So you know I'm sitting in my truck for 45 minutes waiting for him. How come I don't need the toilet anymore? Because the brain is so powerful. It already knows that the reward is coming. So it's priming the pump. Um, and it knows, you, it, I'm telling myself it's going to feel better. So it already feels better. It's amazing how strong the mind is. So cognitive behavioral therapy helps you to learn how to control your mind a little bit better and pay attention to what you're telling yourself so that you don't um, experience as much negative self-talk, which is a huge detriment to anyone's recovery. Cool. So. Yeah, I, I strongly recommend it. It can benefit anybody in life. Um, they, most people that are struggling with substance use disorder are dually diagnosed. I'm quadruply diagnosed, I believe. And I do believe that um, working with a therapist utilizing CBT has been more beneficial for my depression and anxiety specifically than any of the medicinal treatments that I was on. And I am no longer on those. Um, I came off them under medical supervision. I always feel the need to point out I don't think anybody should self-medicate <laughs> or un-self-medicate. Thanks for listening to this episode of Opioid Abuse on the South Shore. To watch our documentary on the subject, click the link in the description.